Welcome. My name is Quinn Taylor, and I work for the Renal Network. Our job at the Renal Network is to assist dialysis facilities in giving patient-centered care. I fit into the Renal Network as a patient liaison. Some may say this was a job that was tailor-made for me. I was on dialysis for close to six years. In 2015, I received a life-saving kidney transplant. I've spent many years traveling and sharing my story to spread the message about chronic kidney disease. At the network, we decided what better way to share the stories of real people in the renal world than through a podcast. Kidney Patient Views, Real Stories from Real People, was born. Our goal is to reach others, patients, and beyond, and to educate, empower, and inspire those who listen to them. Welcome to Kidney Patient Views. So today we have with us Dr. Edward Hollinger, who is the Director of Kidney Transplantation at Rush University. How are you today, Dr. Hollinger? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am great. Thanks for asking. And also, thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down and do a podcast with us. Um, you are always a wealth of information. So we at the Renal Network are so glad that you are doing this with us. No, I'm happy to do it. Thank you for uh, thank you for inviting me. No problem. So a lot of times we hear patients get discouraged because they may go to one um, transplant program and they're denied and they feel like, you know, they will be denied all across all of our transplant programs here in Illinois. And that's just not true. So if you can kind of discuss the importance of not being discouraged and also the importance of shopping around to find a program that best fits you. Sure. So um, I think often there's a misconception that all the transplant programs follow exactly the same guidelines or the same selection criteria in terms of who we think is an appropriate candidate for a kidney transplant. And that's that's actually not true. Those guidelines are developed by individual programs, so they can be different from one transplant center to the next. I will say that we always look at our um, guidelines and our workup um, of who we would who we would put on our waiting list and we're always looking at that to try to get the best outcomes for the patients. So, um, you know, for example, um, one of the things that often comes up is the issue of weight. Um, and, you know, what's an appropriate weight? Well, there's different ways to measure weight, obviously, you know, just measuring in height and weight in pounds and inches isn't always a great way to, to look at it. Um, BMI is a way to try to stratify that body mass index. And again, doesn't always tell you how the weight's distributed. So, you know, one of the things that, that we do typically is we'll see patients and we'll have them meet with a surgeon and meet with a dietitian and talk about weight. Um, you know, those those guidelines change as we see, you know, better or worse outcomes depending on, on what we've done recently. And certainly they're different for different programs. Um, so if you're turned down by, you know, I, when I talk to patients, at dialysis units, I always say, if you've been turned down by one transplant program, you've been turned down by one transplant program, but there's other options. And certainly, um, you know, there's the opportunity to uh, shop around. I think I think to be more broad, looking at a variety of transplant programs is not a bad idea 
even if you're not turned down, even if you go to a program and, and it looks like a, a, a good place and, and they say, you know, you'd be a good candidate, um, I still think you want to find a place where um, you're comfortable and you want to find a place where it's a good match for you. Um, the the One of the things that's very important after transplant is good follow-up with the transplant program. This isn't you know, getting a kidney transplant isn't about getting a kidney transplant. It's about getting a kidney transplant and keeping it and continuing to have good renal function. And that's that's really everybody's goal. Um, but transplant programs are like people. You know, they have different personalities. And since you're going to be stuck following up with that program after uh, after surgery, um, in some cases in our program, you know, often for years, um, it's really important that you, you want to have a good match because otherwise it, it's just, it becomes a struggle on both sides and that just doesn't bode well for good outcomes. I couldn't agree with you more, especially about the finding the right program for you. Um, and speaking about the weight problem, um, a lot of patients do encounter when they go to programs that, you know, they need to lose weight. And um, fortunately here, there is a program that's specifically um, for bariatric dialysis patients that does operate on, you know, overweight um, dialysis patients. And a lot of patients don't know that. So um, that's why I always encourage, you know, patients, you need to find the program that fits you. Is it about the transplant, but post-transplant? Um, you don't, that's so important because you do have to, you're pretty much going to be with this program until, if something happens to your kidney. And so you want to ensure that, you know, you pick a program where you feel heard, you feel looked after, and um, you feel that, you know, it they, the transplant team almost becomes a part of your family. And that sounds a little crazy, but coming from a transplant patient, um, you hold them in high regard at a, a very vulnerable point in your life these people come in and they they essentially kind of nurse you back to a life that you haven't known for a while. And um, they they see you as your worst, not worst, but, you know, they see you from one point to, you know, the point where you're flourishing in your life. And so you want to pick a program that the team is going to be there for you. You know, in the beginning, you get nervous. Every little thing you call and say, oh, no, am I rejecting? Because you just don't want to lose this precious gift. And, um, you know, you want to find a program where you feel like they're overprotective or they're looking out for your behalf even when you aren't. So, um Thank you for including those points. They're extremely important. So I want to ask one other question. We know that there are patients who simply um, cannot be placed on transplant lists at certain times for certain medical health reasons. What tell those patients, um, you know, say a patient who has lupus and their lupus is flared up, and they're not eligible to um, sign up to be on a wait list, and they go from program to program trying to get listed. Um, what advice would you have for that patient? So I think um, I think when you are looking for a transplant program as a patient, there are a couple things that um, 
that come into play that are important. Um, I think you want to be you, you want to pay a lot of attention to what the transplant program tells you in terms of what you can do to become a better candidate. Um, I, I don't think anybody goes into this business wanting to, you know, has, I, I don't think anybody that does transplants has any enthusiasm for saying no to patients that come into clinic, with the possible exception of patients that come into clinic that are clearly not compliant with medical therapy. Then I don't feel good about saying no, but I kind of, I mean, they need to, I hope it serves as a wake-up call because clearly if you don't take your medications, you're not going to do well with transplant, but you're not going to do well with dialysis and kidney disease either. But when we look at somebody, you know, there are things, and we're always, when we look at a patient, when we're, when we're doing an evaluation or even, you know, early on when we're just starting to look at medical records and talk to the patient, what we're really trying to do is figure out what are the things that we can do to get you the best outcome after transplant, not only in just in terms of kidney function, but in terms of other other things as well. Sometimes there's a tendency to kind of feel like, and I'm, I think we all do this with a lot of things. There's a tendency to feel like it's almost um, it's almost a game. It's it's almost like if you can kind of say the right things to the transplant program to get put on the waiting list, that that's really the strategy. Not necessarily the point of you know lying, but you know really putting the best construction on things. Um, and what we find is that, you know, the reason why we're asking kind of hard questions is in most cases is because, you know, we, we, we've learned hard lessons from bad experience. And, and I always think about, you know, getting a kidney transplant is almost like building a house. You got to really start and you got to have a good foundation and you got to lay down, you know, good floors and then you got to build the walls nice and straight. You want to do all those things and you got to do that in the right order. And if there's problems at any of those levels, you got to fix it before you go on to the next thing. You can't just kind of go, well, hey, the floor's not very straight, but you know, we'll just just let's just get started on the walls uh, because we want to get this thing done and we want to, you know, we want to get to transplant. That's really the that's really the the money here. Um, so we we spend a lot of time in the evaluation process to try to figure out, you know, what are the things that we can do to get the patient in the best shape, not just the best shape to get through surgery, but the best shape to to be in a good position to take care of the kidney afterward. An example is, you know, um, one of the things that we added is we have a transplant psychiatrist um, who specializes in working with transplant patients. And, you know, when someone comes in and they've got a history of depression or a history of anxiety or they're on medications, things like that, we're obviously not going to treat a, you know, change everybody's treatment plan. But to look at, have somebody that specifically looks at that and says, okay, you know, you may be your your anxiety may be really well controlled now, but what are the, what's the potential for things to change after transplant? And now we're going to introduce a bunch of different medications and we're going to have a surgery and things like that. You know, looking forward to say, how can we how can we have a good plan that's going to take that into account moving forward? I think sometimes as a patient, there's also a tendency to look for, like, it's, and again, all of us do this with a lot of things, but to look for the program that says yes. And, you know, patients come into our program sometimes and they say, you know, I've been to other programs and they, they say, you know, they're not so worried about all this other, all these other details, you know, why are you guys so picky sort of? And, you know, my answer is it's kind of like when you go to the airport, you know, when you see the pilot going around and before you get on the airplane, you see the pilot going around and looking very carefully at it and checking things. I don't feel bad about that. I'm not looking at my watch going, man, I wish these guys would just skip over the steps since we can get flying. I'd really like them to make sure that that plane's in good shape before I get on it and take off. I think the same thing's true with transplant. The time to figure out the plan and the time to address these issues is ahead of time where you've got a chance to do it as opposed to after transplant where sometimes 
you know, that, that first time when there's a problem with medications or the first time when somebody has a rejection, there's no guarantee that that, that kidney can be saved. And the risks after transplant are really high because if the kidney gets into trouble, the patient gets into trouble, you may not be able to get them back into, into a good place. So, so really trying to fix all those things ahead of time, I think, is really very important. I have no I idea if that answered your question. <laughs> no, absolutely it did. When a patient is looking to sign up to get a transplant and they're rejected because of, you know, other medical reasons, it's not to discourage them, but in the long run, you want to make sure a person is as healthy as they can be or they are healthy so that when you place that kidney in them, you get the longevity of the kidney. There's no sense yep. in, you know, putting a, a healthy kidney in someone who might not be very well at the time and then the kidney doesn't prosper and then you have a, a lost organ and a sicker person. So, no, it made perfect sense. Um, and I'm glad think, that you explained that. I'm and sorry. I think some, I think some, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I mean to cut you off, Kana. I think sometimes, I think sometimes um, there's a feeling that if I can, you know, there are issues now, but if I can just get a kidney transplant, that'll be fixed and things will be better. And sometimes, I don't know if, I don't know if it's quite this dramatic, but, you know, people feel like, well, if I get a kidney transplant and it doesn't work out, what's the worst case scenario? The exam, probably the best example I can, I can think of is, you know, somebody that's having trouble getting their hands around kidney failure and kidney disease, and they're kind of having trouble making it to dialysis in a, you know, in a consistent way, and they're maybe not taking their medications that well and things like that. And I mean, I, I think, again, all of us are guilty of, you know, we've done this kind of thing in, in other areas, but they say, but if I get a kidney transplant, then I'm going to be able to do it. It's going to be fine. You know, once I get the kidney transplant, I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to watch my diet. I'm going to take my medications. I'm going to do everything because I got a kidney transplant. And the reality is sometimes that's true, but most of the time, if you haven't really kind of practiced, like the coach says, you know, you're kind of going to play on Saturday and Sunday the way you practiced on Tuesday and Wednesday. That um, can be a real problem. And they feel like, well, worst case scenario, I get a kidney transplant. It doesn't work. I'm back on dialysis. I haven't lost anything. But the reality is you can get very sick, obviously, a big surgery, big recovery. So there's a lot of, you know, there's risks associated with it. But also somebody that loses their kidney, in some cases, you know, their immune system can be revved up essentially they can be vaccinated against kidneys so a second kidney can be medically much more difficult or even in some rare cases it's impossible to get a second kidney because because of having had one and and lost it um so really this is sort of like skydiving it's something that you really do want to get right the first time doesn't mean that you can't get another kidney if you need it for sure but you you, you really want to optimize that first chance because you just never know whether there's going to be a second one um, the other thing that I think is real important, you know, when 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 a patient goes to look at a transplant center, this is um, this is kind of like a job interview in a way, in that you know we're kind of looking at the patient, but they should also be looking at us, and they should be looking critically at the transplant program, and and as you point out, figuring out is this a good match for me? Um, do they provide the resources that I'm going to need? Is this geographically something that I can do? Um, you know, if you if uh, you know, if you live far away from the transplant program and they say, hey, you know, come here because, you know, we're really, uh, you know, we're really accepting about who we'll take or we have short waiting times or things like that, but you're not going to be able to get there for follow-up, that's probably not a good, not a good, um, you know, not a good match for you if, you if you don't have the resources 
or the ability to, you know, travel and go there and do your follow-up. You should ask them, you know, good questions about, hey, how do you follow up your patients? What do you do after? Transplant programs mostly get graded on our one-year outcomes, but I don't think if you're if you're getting a kidney transplant, most people aren't getting a kidney transplant. They figure, well, if I keep it for a year, that's a good that's a good result. You know, so ask them, you know, what do you do after a year? Do you still provide resources? Do you still follow up the patients? Are they kind of on their own? I think that's very important. The other thing, there's a lot of information out there about um, about programs on a website um, called the Scientific Registry of Transplant Recipients, SRTR. And I can never remember all the addresses. So, you know, if you if if patients are interested in this, if you just Google SRTR transplant, you'll get this website. And you can look at a lot of details about every transplant program that's out there. SRTR is kind of like the, the referee for transplant programs. They keep track of all the objective data for all the programs in the country. And uh, you can look at their transplant rates. You can look at their transplant outcomes. You can look at, you know, what kinds of patients they transplant. Um, really, really very valuable information out there. Um, and that's objective data. It's not, you know, sort of the advertising literature that you might get from from my hospital or somewhere else that that um, you know is maybe not not as comprehensive. Um, the last thing I think is real important when you're looking at programs is you know everybody focuses not inappropriately on outcomes, but if you look at the outcomes of programs, if you look at at the you know patient survival, kidney kidney um, graft survival, or you know the survival of the transplant kidney, they're pretty comparable. Where programs can be rather different, though, is in, in their rates of transplanting patients. And especially, um, you want to ask questions about, there are some programs where um, you'll be put on the waiting list, but you'll be inactive, or you'll be put on the waiting list, but no medical workup done, and really not ready for transplant for several years until, um, you know, you're, you, you've got more waiting time. And there are other programs where they'll work you up and, and, and you know, get you on the waiting list and be ready for transplant from the get-go. I have a pretty strong bias that if I were a patient, I'd want to, you know, do my medical workup up front and get put on the waiting list now, even though I know that my likelihood of getting a transplant early on might not be real high because I don't have a lot of waiting time. There's still that opportunity as opposed to, you know, being put on a waiting list, but waiting for several years to do the workup and really not um, even having the opportunity to get a transplant during that time. So I think, I think looking carefully at the program and, and recognizing that, you know, this works both ways. It's not just the programs interviewing me as a patient, but it's also me as a patient interviewing the program and deciding where what's a good fit. Um, absolutely. And so I just have one last thing I want to ask you about. So for the patient who is on the transplant waiting list, um, let's say they've been on the list waiting for I think the wait term is about six years. So, like, say this um, patient has seven years in waiting, and they're getting discouraged. They're healthy. They've done everything they're supposed to do. They're just waiting to get that phone call, um, and it seems like it's never going to happen. And everybody tries to keep them encouraged, you know, tell them to be positive. They're on the list. is going to happen. Um, don't worry about it, be content, just know that it's going to happen. Sometimes it's hard to hear that, especially when you're the one waiting and it seems like every dialysis treatment is getting harder and harder because you just want to get out of there and get out of that chair. Um, having medical insight, what would your advice to that patient be? So I, I, I get it. Um, you know, 
you kind of do a lot of work up front and you do all the work up and you get all this stuff done and sometimes you know you lose weight and you um work on you know getting your blood glucose under better control and you do all this stuff to get tuned up for a transplant and then you're kind of sitting and waiting and it's almost like I tell patients it's almost like you know when you're getting your car ready to go on vacation and you check the oil and you check the tires and you pack it and you do all that stuff the problem is you don't know when you're going to leave um but i guess the the most important thing i would say is um keep in touch with your transplant program um our our what we tell our patients is if you haven't talked to your transplant coordinator if you haven't talked to the nurse that follows you in the last 2 months you got to give us a call because it's real important that we know what's going on with you and we know that you're still ready for a transplant. We see all the patients that are on our waiting list at least once a year. We have them come into the office. We talk about kind of everything that's new with our program and we talk about anything that's new with them. Make sure that everybody's on the same page in terms of medical, you know, where they are in terms of their medical condition and that kind of thing. Um, it's it's real important um, and, and uh, to emphasize that although the average waiting times, you know, can be six, seven years, that's not everybody's waiting time. And certainly we have patients that get transplanted which, with much less waiting time than that. Um, we can give a sense sometimes of, you know, very roughly how long we think it might be, but um, there are patients that get put on the waiting list and, and, you know, get lucky and get a kidney very early on. Certainly that's not true for everybody, but you want to be ready. You don't want to kind of have the idea that, well, it's going to be six or seven years, so I'll really kind of just wait five years and then I'll, then I'll be ready for transplant when, when it comes close because you really can get, that, that call really can come out of the blue. Um, so you do want to always, you know, be medically ready. You always want to let us know um, where you are and if you're going out of town and, you know, if there are medical changes, any of those things that, that could impact your candidacy, it's real important that we know that. I will say that it is not at all unusual, and I don't think this is limited to our center from talking to other surgeons. It's not at all unusual that we'll get an offer for somebody and we can't find them because they changed their cell phone, they moved. They changed dialysis units, and they never left us know. Um, it, it really is, you know, part of the part of the responsibility, if you will, or you know, an important piece of being ready for transplant is to have that open line of communication um, to the transplant program, and not assuming that because you changed dialysis units, moved to a different uh, uh, different neighborhood, and changed your cell phone, that the dialysis unit is going to let us know, and that we're going to have that information. Don't don't gamble your kidney on that because it's real discouraging. But we'll have you know good offers for patients, and we can't find them, or we'll call all the numbers that we have, you know, on a Friday night, and like Tuesday, somebody will call us back and say, hey, you know, I think you were looking for me last week. Well, if that was for an offer, um, it's too late. So so really um, really maintaining that open uh, open line of communication to the transplant program is enormously important because most of the surprises that we get when you know we're calling with an organ offer are not like good surprises. It's usually you know, something that's going on that's a reason why maybe somebody can't get a transplant or even, you know, things that have come up. You know, we'll call somebody for for a kidney transplant and say, has anything changed about your medical condition? And they say, yeah, about, you know, three weeks ago, I started having chest pain and I'm going to go see the cardiologist eventually, but I haven't gotten around to it. Well, that, you know, if that was three weeks ago, that could have been worked up and, it, you know, maybe nothing. But to try to do that in the short period of time that we have between when that kidney gets offered and when, you know, we need to do surgery, may not be possible. So you might end up, you know, missing out on the on the chance to get that kidney uh, early by by not being ready. And it would be a shame for anyone to miss out on a second chance at life um just because of, you know, not being prepared. Um yeah. so 
Thank you for that. I think this was a really important conversation, and I think the patients listening to this, the patients, caregivers, staff members, anybody listening to this is going to be enriched and really educated. So, I again, thank you for taking time out of your day to do this podcast with me. I think it's going to be amazing. Absolutely. Well, thanks for thanks for having me. And certainly, I would encourage anybody that has questions to reach out to um, any of the transplant programs. They can certainly reach out to us at Rush, um, and uh, you know, with with questions or um, concerns or uh, you know, updates about what's going on in transplant, and, and also take care of take advantage of you know many of the the resources that are out there um, from things like the Renal Network and the National Kidney Foundation, and you know, to look at um, the resources that are out there. Um, on the internet and and uh, in programs to you know it really the the educated the the more educated you are about this the the um, better the opportunities there are for you to get a transplant and and certainly the more prepared you are to to take the best possible care of that kidney and make it last absolutely as long as we can as as you as the patient and we the transplant program can because that at the end of the day that's everybody's goal is to to get as many patients transplanted as possible and have those kidneys last for absolutely as long as we possibly can. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Hollinger. It's been a pleasure. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. I would like to extend a personal thank you to every person who listened to and enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out to us. We are the Renal Network, ESRD10, contracted for the great state of Illinois, you can find us on the web at www.therenalnetwork.org. If you have any ideas for future podcasts or would like to participate in a podcast, you can reach us at 317-257-8265. Until we meet again, be encouraged and reach for every silver lining. Bye-bye.